A lot of times I think the first reaction of a parent is, well, why didn't you tell me sooner? Or why why did you keep this secret? Like you found out like by walking in on someone or or a different child telling you, um, you know, what has been disclosed to them. Like, you know, the sister or the brother says, this is what's happening to, you know, and you wonder why the child themselves didn't tell you. And that kind of anger will only shut the child down further. It's not going to get the, um, you're not going to get the communication that you need in order to really find out the full length of what has happened and what is happening. Welcome to the Jan Broberg Show, where we expose the truth about child sexual abuse, rape, assault, and trauma. Everything you hear on this show is for informational and educational purposes only. We do not dispense therapy or give legal advice. This show is not for children. I'm Jan Broberg. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. I've been thinking about this a lot over the past, um, oh, just the past few months especially, but but in particular, um, a death in, in my extended family and and a cousin that I know had um, experienced some abuse by an older cousin. And as I've thought a lot about what keeps us from telling and talking about familial uh, abuse and why we still can stomach the fact that abuse is happening at an alarming rate, but we like to believe it's only over there in a foreign country and it's trafficking or it's only it's only people that are scary and strangers and not really close to us. We just can't seem to completely pull our heads out of the sand and get very, very clear that most abuse happens inside of family systems. And so molestation and incest is, it's just this wide-reaching violation. And it's, it honestly doesn't just harm the child, it actually harms all of the family members and especially when it's like the father or the mother and the other parent finds out about it. Um, you know, they, they feel this unusual amount of like um, betrayal. Well, that, that would be understandable. But on top of that, they're afraid it, because it seems like the person that they were married to is not the person, of course, that they thought they were. And so they feel all this fear. They feel out of control. There's these these reactions when you find out that somebody, you know, your partner or somebody, uh, uh, you know, your parent or someone is, uh, is abusing, um, molesting or raping your child and they're close to you, it is so um, understandably shocking. The helplessness is there. There's tons of panic. Like, what do I do? You know, what do I do right now? Right this red hot minute? Do I pack the bags and leave and how do I even begin to call the police? I've never, you know, so much as had a, a parking ticket, you know? I mean, people are really um, in a state of panic, shock, embarrassment. Um, and of course, those feelings of betrayal and the disbelief and the confusion, it's its just like, who is telling the truth and what actually happened? I mean, that's what goes through their minds because there's a part of your reactive mind that wants to make sense of it and wants to take you know, the easiest explanation, which is, oh, that child must have misunderstood something or they they said the wrong words. 
And that what really happened wasn't that bad. It was something else. They saw daddy, you know, undressed in the bathroom after getting out of the shower. You know, they 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 want to make it less of a trauma than it actually is. And I think it's why we have such a difficult time actually certainly convicting or um you know the family member but but even before that most of the time that doesn't happen but even before that just the believing coming to a place of belief like okay i have to believe this it doesn't matter how much i thought i knew about this person um it doesn't matter what i thought i knew this breach of trust and the anger that you that you feel in order to protect you from feeling the grief, which will come later, is something very natural. There's, there's got to be some way to put you into action, and sometimes that's anger. And so um, sometimes you'll blame your child. Don't do that. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. Don't do that. But a lot of times I think the first reaction of a parent is, well, why didn't you tell me sooner? Or why why did you keep this secret? Like you found out like by walking in on someone or or a different child telling you, um, you know, what has been disclosed to them. Like, you know, the sister or the brother says, this is what's happening to, you know, and you wonder why the child themselves didn't tell you. And that kind of anger will only shut the child down further. It's not going to get the... Um, you're not going to get the communication that you need in order to really find out the full length of what has happened and what is happening. So, you know, the disruption to your life when you find out or you realize that all the signs are there and you're putting the pieces together and you're like, what, what will this do to my life? You know, maybe this person is the primary breadwinner in my life. What if I, you know... What will I do to protect myself, to clothe myself and my children, um, to put food in their mouths? So these are the complex issues about, you know, um, how to maneuver through and why we don't see it. We don't see it because it's too hard, harsh, or it's too stressful. It's like it's just easier to believe it's a stranger. It's just easier to believe it's somewhere over there in a, in a third world country. It, it, it's not here. It's not in my house. It's not, it can't be. And because that intensity of the shock and the feelings of that embarrassment and the confusion about it and how to move forward from that, it's almost too much for people to deal with. It's like having some catastrophic illness um, in your family, some catastrophic financial crisis happen inside of your home where you don't know what you're going to do next. So anger towards the other family members is very normal because you'll feel like, well, if you knew, why didn't you tell me? Or with, if somebody else perceived that something was off or wrong with this person I married, why didn't somebody say something? So you take your, your, your own embarrassment or your own, which is not your embarrassment to have. You're not abusing the child, but that's how you are. It's kind of the same thing that the person being abused always feels shame. 
and ashamed, even though it's not at all their fault, but that's how they feel. It's like a person who is feeling that that embarrassment, it's misplaced, but that's how you feel when you don't know. And so it's easy to start kind of blaming the other children or the other family members. Like, you thought something was off. Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you say something? Somebody else is to blame because it's so much to take in for that individual. And, um, you know, that, because all of that is kind of the, the reason why so few people really comprehend that it could be someone in their family um, and why the discovery of, of abuse and the reactions and, and how to, you know, intervene, like how, what's the intervention approach, all those sorts of things are what you have to deal with when you are dealing with familial abuse. Hey, everybody. I just, I just had to take a minute because I want to talk a little bit about our online community, Thriveivers. Um, I always had the feeling it would be really cool and that it would be helpful, but I had no idea how amazing it is to be in a safe space with fellow survivors where you feel like you can talk about anything without any judgment, where you can have, you know, your worst day and need to express things about a big disappointment, or you have a breakthrough day and something that just finally made sense to you on your healing journey and you're able to go forward. I'm more than thrilled with what the members at Thriveivers are already talking about and what they're saying, and they're sharing their stories, and it truly is changing their lives and changing my life. I can't believe how much I've been missing by actually not having a group of fellow survivors in my path. There's so much to be learned on the journey from each other and from that support where you're completely safe. I hope that you'll come over and join us and just know that we have survivor stories that we share every week. We also have amazing experts like social workers, therapists, uh, memory experts, people who have created programs for healing because they were survivors too, and now they've gone down that path and that journey, and now they're sharing what they know with all of us. And it just becomes this wonderful, amazing um, experience. And I really want to encourage you to come and join us. And, you know, we'll never charge more than a dollar a day for your own health and healing. I think that's pretty reasonable. That'll never change. And if you can't afford a dollar a day, tell us what you can't afford. Nothing come anyway. We want all survivors to have a safe place to begin their healing journey and to be supported on that journey. So please just come. It's free right now for your first month, no matter what, and it can stay that way for as long as you need it to. And then when you feel like, oh, okay, I could throw in a five or a 10, I'll do that just to help us continue the platform and to continue having all of these amazing guests and speakers as well as to just encourage the whole community in a way that probably you've never experienced before. It's pretty incredible. I can't wait to hear from you. I want to hear your story. So please go to our link in the show notes and find us at Thriveivers. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. I cannot adequately explain to you guys how vitally important therapy has been for me throughout my life. 
At times, it has been what keeps the 10% of my life, which is filled with challenges and trauma, from festering and becoming 20% or 30% or 50% and so on. Therapy has literally saved my life. It commits you to your own mental health, and it has a physical impact on you as well. So when your mental health is good, your bodily health improves. I'm telling you that at BetterHelp, you have an opportunity to do the easiest pathway to a therapist. You can chat with them. You can have a video session. You can text your therapist. It's immediate. You don't have to drive anywhere, and they will match you with a licensed professional. And if that doesn't work out, it doesn't feel like a fit to you, you can change it anytime for no additional charge. It's more affordable than traditional therapy, and it's easier than traditional therapy. When you feel better mentally because you've been seeing a therapist like I have throughout my life, you'll know why you have committed that time that money, that space. So hopefully you'll go to BetterHelp, use our link, betterhelp.com forward slash my name, J-A-N, and that will help out our show. It will help you. Plus, if you sign up from our link, you get 10% off your first month. I'm telling you, it's so much more affordable than traditional therapy. And it's also so much more immediate because you can do it from the palm of your hand. I know that for a fact. I've used them myself. So it's very much a secondary trauma, which like PTSD, you can be completely traumatized, even if you were not the one abused, but you are the family member who finds out about the abuse. And especially if it's a partner, a parent, uh, aunt, uncle, um, cousin, older sibling, it's just shattering to your world. So that confusion about why it happened, how it happened under your nose, and then about what to do about it. It's just so compounded by so much contradictory advice that you will then have in your family because some of the family is going to say, well, we don't want to, you know, sully the family name. And they may not say it in that way, but they're like, well, don't tell anybody. You know, we can handle this inside. You know, we're handle it within the family. Don't, you can't do that. I mean, you can, but it, it's the wrong approach. The child needs to be kept safe. The child needs to know that you are 100% in support of them. And you have to bring in, even though sometimes it doesn't work, but bring in law enforcement. I don't believe you can, you can rely on your spiritual leaders, that they're going to somehow, you know, meet with the abuser and, and, and through you know, some sort of repentance process that abuser's going to change. No, this is a crime. This is not okay. You must report it. And that's really hard to do when it's grandpa or if it's, you know, someone beloved that is a pillar of your family and of the community. It is so difficult. It is so earth-shattering for all of the lives around, you know, that person for the other family members who were not harmed and don't know, they're going to come to the defense of that person, probably. But all I can say is that your uncertainty about reporting it and the impact that it may have on your child or your family, there's a lot of guilt that comes into that picture. And, you know, a lot of that guilt and blame 
of self for, you know, not being able to protect your child or not being smarter or why didn't I see it and, and beating yourself up, that, that isn't helpful and you're not at fault. You don't know something until you know. But once you do know, you know, and another thing that may happen is that other people may blame you. They may blame you for not knowing. That's what happened to my parents. They blamed them. I'm like, you can't blame a person for what they don't know. They didn't know. And you're not looking when it's your best friend or it's your close family member who you love. And, and you know, many family members look up to and respect and love this person too. So I think, I think this becomes a very complicated issue and question, but I believe that, you know, the social isolation that people talk about, like I told about my, you know, aunt, uncle, grandpa, whatever, or grandma, and then all of a sudden I was like a piranha, like everybody isolated me, like I, like they didn't want to be around me anymore. Um, That is, it's a real thing that that happens. And so just knowing that you're going to have this conflict. People are going to basically choose sides. Like we believe, you know, this person. We don't believe your child. Um, and that division in the family is just so painful. If there's this terrible strain over, you know, what do we do now with this abuser? Do we put him in jail? Um, do we throw away the key? Do we protect them? Because, you know, we have to love everybody. You know, we're supposed to love all of our family members, even if they're terribly um, you know, confused as a as an abuser because obviously it's not a family trait. This is just this, you know, anomaly in this person and maybe we can love it out of them. Maybe we can shame it out of them. Um, anyway, it's a very complex problem and I just have been thinking so much about it and how important it is that, um, you know, as we try to maneuver through those um those situations that do come up and and are the most common, especially in children under eight. They're almost always abused by a family member. And then those between the ages of nine and 13 or 14, it's often the case. Um, it's a, sometimes a little bit less with teenagers, but still 25% of, you know, children who are being abused, it's by, it's by a family member. Um, and actually with those younger the statistics are like 60% of children that are eight and younger. It's a family member. So depending on the age of the child, that also changes the statistics. But, um, you know, what can result is that you may find that, that other family relationships, you know, suffer, you know, because you're worried about the one child. Maybe you're neglecting the other children. Um, you can become overprotective. Um, there's some really dangerous traps of your family just not functioning. Just there's not a cohesive feeling in your family anymore because fear kind of took over and took the place of um, what used to be, you know, at least on the surface, a happy, healthy family. And then the marital dysfunction that follows. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about that to acknowledge the fact that you know, abuse in families is ugly, it's painful, it's messy, and it's unfortunate that, that there is no easy way to deal with it. But, you know, you, if you can get some professional care and guidance, you can get good support systems in place, the family, you know, members who, who believe you, who want to help, who can 
address the abuser. You can still love an abuser and still do what's right, which is to remove that abuser from having any access to the children in your family system. Most of the time, if they are serial abusers, which you often find out that your child wasn't the only one in that family, um, in the you know extended family that was abused, you have to literally put the person behind bars. You know, Jerry Sandusky was a great example of a pillar in the community who had a family, who revered him and looked up to him, and this close, close person to all of these all of these young men in his football program and even some girls, you know, that he pressured for oral sex and all of that. They were all people that, that he knew. They were close to him. And what the aftermath in their lives was and what it will be on you. So obviously this is not something we can solve in just one conversation, but I think it's important that we get very clear that it is very much the most common kind of child sexual assault and abuse is incest and molestation and rape of children by a family member. So we got to work through this painful experience. The non-offending parent and other family members just, you are the most important resource that that child has. Please believe them. Thanks. And that's a wrap for today's episode. Thank you for sharing this journey with me today. If you're enjoying the podcast, please take a couple of minutes to rate and review the show. This really helps us spread the word. And if you know someone who would benefit from listening to our show, please do me a favor and share one of our episodes with them. I want every survivor to know that they are not alone and that there is help available. Links to my website, our foundation, the new book, our online community, Thriveivers, and newsletter can be found in the show notes. All of my contact info is there as well. This year, my number one focus is on sharing our stories. This is so important because it's the launching pad to our healing journey, and it inspires the survivor who is still suffering in silence. I don't want anyone to suffer alone anymore. So please reach out. I want to hear from you. Until next time, my friends, this is Mama Jan signing off, over and out on two.